Welcome to the Dr. Pritchett season of Trinity Radio. I'm Braxton Hunter, and along with me is Dr. Pritchett. Today we're going to be talking about evangelistic events, revivals, crusades. What do you call them? What are they? Should we do them? Do they work? And what in the world do they have to do with Christian apologetics? So it's here's, not heresy, it's... Come on, no, it's Harris' son. Wow! They gave us nothing but tradition and no argument. All they did was get on this stage, yell real loud, and set a straw man on fire. Okay, now, this is... I... I, I was... not impressed. <laughs> I, I've never heard of this gentleman before, but... And there is no evidence at all, except in the imagination of Dr. Braxton, and like-minded thinkers that there is such a thing as an objective morality. All right, well, that was a very passionate speech by Professor Alvarez. However, let me point out a couple of things that I have not argued tonight that Professor Alvarez seems to think that I have argued. Everything that begins to exist must have a cause for its existence. On behalf of humanity, God became man to die for the sin of the world. Then, because of that sacrifice, you can rise from the dead just like he rose from the dead. So, you know, all the rage these days is conferences. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like you, there's a season of conferences, and, of course, now they're cost somewhere in the neighborhood of $300 a ticket. Uh, you go and you hear the who's who of... Um, prominent theologians and pastors, and you get a whole bunch of Christians there, thousands, ten, you know, north of 10,000 Christians there, and that seems to take up a lot of the conversation, these big conferences, um, and, and people seem to enjoy them, but... Yeah, I think they're good. They're not necessarily outreach-oriented, they're more for pastors <clears throat> and interested lay people and things like that. Uh, yeah, the Together for the Gospel Conference, the Gospel Coalition Conference, and other conferences where Al Mohler shoots his mouth off and doesn't know what he's talking about. Things like that. Yeah, yeah, I said it. Get over it. Uh, ever since this last one with him and Lincoln Duckin blathering on about nonsense, I was just like, eh, yeah. I mean, you know, cheerleaders for Calvinism. But they don't realize that there's also other events where people actually get saved. And some of them are very large, like the Big God Conference, for example, is a large one. Mm -hmm. um, there's also these other things. I think, uh, what is his name? Laurie does. Greg Laurie. Yeah, does mm -hmm. these big, massive events where lots and lots of people get saved. And they don't cost $300 to go. I think James McDonald does stuff like that, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, still to this day, there's a lot of um, small churches everywhere that are still having an evangelist come in and see people get saved. It declined for a while, but it seems like maybe it's coming back. I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's still in the decline. Still in the decline? Mm -hmm. Well, okay, well, maybe I just see... The, the people that you're... Some of the people that we're friends with... Yeah. Some of them, the reason that we're friends with them is because they have had me come do those kind of events. And so for that reason... Uh, people like Paul Cooper, Adam Powers, people like that, Chip Bennett. Uh, Chip Bennett didn't do a revival, but it was an evangelistic outreach-oriented yeah. event. But Sam Schmidt. And so yeah. Sam Schmidt, th these are all people that are kind you know, they're not a fair sample because the reason that, that they kind of are friendly with us is because we're they on want the to same see people page with this kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And, and they do, like Sam does, 
Uh, I think, you know, every time he's a pastor of a church, but he's also, uh, and I think Adam Powers is the same way, that they make sure that their churches let them do so many revivals yeah. a year yeah. away from the home church. Because Well, let's, let's clarify our terminology, okay. first of all. Okay, um, so when we say revival, some of you may not even know what we're talking about. I think probably most of you do, but um, for the in the 20th century and before, uh, and especially in the American South, where we're both from, you had church, local churches uh, had what were known as, or had these evangelistic events. And they might have called them revivals, which I think is a little bit of a misnomer. And some pastors will point this out to their congregation. I want you to notice how I don't have a bored look on my face when he keeps talking on and on and explaining things. Unlike him, when uh, I do the same thing. Come on. So I, I, I'm going <laughs> to... I looked that this way. This is Braxton when uh, no, 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 I'm no. talking. No, I looked that way last episode because you were disagreeing with me. And no, I was provoked no, to disagree no. with you. Our, our our dedicated fans who watch week for week have said this. My wife has pointed this out. Every it's a thing. Braxton does this. <laughs> well, I repent. I fi- I find you very interesting. <laughs> you know, no, I do. After all this time together, you already we know what the other's gonna say. Well, that's true. And so I know when you're tuning me out, you know, and so uh, uh, I, I just know how to, to hide my boredom well, half the time in front of the I'm, camera, I'm, whereas I'm, you, you're like... Half the time I'm pulling something up, mm. such as right now, where I'm going to go ahead and say we appreciate these people, Abelom, Alan Atchison, Alex Harton, Annette Burns, Armin Jacob Paulson, Austin Eakin, Austin Long... Benjamin Fogler, Billy Wendelin, Boydria Gonzalez, Brandon Nicholson, Brian McNulty, Brian Roden, uh, Anonymous, Ellen uh, Meadows, Eleanor Meadows, uh, Ernest George Strauss, Ian Buchanan, Jeremy Lee, John E. Miller Jr., John Crylo, Josh Stribling, Joshua James Roberts. Is that right? It's not coming up. Yeah, Roberts. Mm-hmm. Kendra Buck, Kurt Jaros. Jairus. Uh, by the way, Kendra he Buck. Said, he said Jairus. Like Jairus, Jairus, Jairus. He doesn't watch. Who cares? Um, yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, Kendra Buck, by the way, increased her uh, monthly support to $25 oh, so that she, she could get shirt. the Trinity Commission uh, trademark V-neck tee. Uh, also, Paul Wayne Sims, Robert Gillier, Rodney Tucker, Scott McCauley, Second Yang, Steve Fraley, William Schroeder, and X. Xavier German. Now, yes. um, cool guy. I, those are our patrons. We if have to shout like him out to... again. He got so excited when we shouted him out. We're going to do it again. Yeah. Love you, X. Love you, X. X is a smart guy yeah. and asks us a lot of questions. That's how we know he's a smart guy because he comes to us. But yeah. um, also, I want to say that if you <laughs> would like to be a patron, by the way, there's a new benefit to the patrons. If you, per, if you would like to be in on it, if you're a patron, you can be a part of a private Marco Polo group that Dr. Pritchett created. Um, which, if you don't know what Marco Polo is, it's a video walkie-talkie. It's kind of like Skype or Google Hangouts where it's yeah. a video chat, except for the fact that it's not back and forth so everybody's talking over each other. You record yours, and then somebody can listen to it and reply, and it's fun, and it's a good way to get questions immediately answered and get a good discussion going. It's been good for our spiritual life, I think, as yeah. we uh, it disciple us, each other. Yeah, because we're, we're lonely <clears throat> people. We really are, and so it makes us feel like we have friends. Yeah, <laughs> We see each other all the time. And so when we see our patrons and uh, the other Trinity Commission folks, so the, these these yeah, for a long time we had a little chat in this app with just us and the Trinity Commission, and we're all close friends. 
mostly because of that app. Like it's really helpful. When I can remember. But now the names. we have that with the <laughs> members of the Trinity Commission or yeah. the uh, patrons for the Trinity Radio Group yeah. who who would like to be a part of it. And so you just let us know. In fact, there's someone who wants to be in that's from Australia. I don't know if you saw that. Anyway, um, all um, right. So the reason that I may have looked bored is because I was looking up those people. Uh, but let's get back into it. Who are not boring, by the way. So let's get looking back. them up. Is no, boring, I, I was looking them up while right. I was right. Okay, uh, so let's get back into this. So revivals, crusades, evangelism. So some pastors and some ministry leaders will point this out to you that revival is a bit of a misnomer because, and this is going to sound cliche to those of you that have heard it before, but a revival. See, you do look bored. <laughs> I did that on purpose. A revival is by definition for people who are already saved because. You can't be revived unless you have first been vived, right? Right. right? So revivals are, you know, it used to be the case you had evangelists and you had revivalists. Um, yeah. And so that if you wanted to do a revival, you would have a guy come in who would kind of preach in a very dynamic way to saved people so that they would get, you know, fired up and back on fire for God and, and you yeah. know, and maybe have a little bit of a, a, a renewed dedication to things. And then you had evangelists who would go and preach to see a harvest, uh, to see people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time. Over the years, it got to where we, we, we just meant a thing that did all of that, but was mostly evangelistic, and we called it a revival. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of how it, how it is now. Um, when it happens, you also have, <laughs> well, because it doesn't happen anymore very much. Um, people will also say things like this, Dr. Pritchett. They will also say, well, you can't plan a revival. You can plan an evangelistic event, but you can't plan a revival because only God can bring revival. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Yes. And here's the problem with that. It's not false. The thing is, God has, I think, made it clear throughout human history that he wishes to bring revival (laughs) if people will be the willing vessels that can be brought in. So in that sense, can you plan a revival? Why, yes, you can. And you yeah. can you can work toward a revival. So so I have issues with that. Yeah, it's not like God's folding his arms saying, I don't, I don't want a church that's evangelistic. I don't want a church right. that's on fire. For, I'm, right. you know, I mean, yeah, somebody's going to say, yeah, but God will, in judgment, do whatever. Okay, but in, I hear a lot, well, God's showing his judgment on America. That's why Christianity is doing what... what it, well, it's a passive judgment, <laughs> you know, in a sense that if you're not... Serving in the kingdom, if you're not reaching to see people come to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're not doing those things, yeah, the spiritual quality of your community will go down. Yeah. Well, I'm always <laughs> impressed when cessationists declare a word from the Lord, <laughs> you know, because usually when there was judgment, a prophet would warn about it. Um, but it, I always hear. Like, are you saying you're a prophet? Right. I mean, you know, it's like, how do you know this? A cessationist uh, being someone who doesn't, who believes that the miraculous sign gifts ceased yeah. with the apostles. But yet they're always saying. Uh, That's uh, something I want to do, by the way. America is under the judgment of God and all this. And I'm like, how do you. That's a good point. Maybe you should just get off your couch. One you know? thing I, I mean, want to do, I want to do on this show better. And, and we've done it in the past where I've been like, hey, hey, let's explain that is there are people who have said, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, because we do have people that listen that are like seminary professors, but we also have people listening who just became Christians. And yeah. so we want to we be educational when we can. 
And so we need to we need to try to do that more. So a cessationist is someone who believes the miraculous sign gifts, like uh, miraculous healings, where I, I could you know put my hands yeah. on you and and almost at will heal heal you in the, through the power of God. Don't try, um, buddy. Uh, or get you give what is a word of faith or a word of knowledge, though there's a lot of debate about what that even means. And uh, give you know speaking in tongues, a certain kind of speaking in tongues. Those things all ceased with the apostles. That's a cessationist. Whereas a continuationist believes that those things continue to today. Well, and we are both continuationists yeah. who just may understand particular yeah, gifts differently. Yeah, and I like to test all that stuff against Scripture. But, I mean, it's like John Piper's Twitter account during a national uh, tragedy where, you know, he mouths off tw- Twitter when, there's a, when a bunch of people die in a tornado. And he's like, God's mad at something. You know, and I'm just like, really? You know, I agree. He is mad at something. <laughs> yeah, he might be mad at your Twitter account. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's weird how people... I mean, you know, I mean, in fairness, you know, Jerry Falwell did that with 9-11, you know. Mm-hmm. And people just... I, I, where do you get the information from? Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I've always found it odd, and people that have listened to my Genesis series have heard me say things like this, like... People will say something like, Hurricane Katrina was God judging America for abortion and homosexuality. And I'm like, okay. First of all, how do you know? (laughs) Second, odd place to judge America for abortion and homosexuality. Like, I don't, I don't, that's not, I don't, I would never proclaim such a thing or think that God wishes to do that in the way that they're describing. But if he did, wouldn't it make more sense, like, at, an abortion clinic or right. the Planned Parenthood headquarters or a, a, a parade of some sort. Yeah, I mean, God yeah. in the Bible can open up the ground and swallow things. Right, and it was very specific. Wants. Those right. people that are doing that, they're <laughs> yeah. saying those blasphemous things. <laughs> right. So or challenging I, Moses' leadership. Um, so yeah, I, I back to the topic. What are we talking about? Revi- okay, it, so there's revivals. A, yeah, it's not a matter of well, God's not going to bring revival because of X, Y, and Z. No, maybe God's been sitting around waiting all this time for you, us to do something. Yeah, you know, I mean that you know, the Bible does talk about God looking and searching hearts for somebody willing to do whatever. <laughs> Maybe it's on us, you know? Yeah. Now, does that mean that God's limited? Of course not. If God wants to, say, give someone a blinding light and yeah. uh, and obviously increase the influence on them to serve him in a greater way, he can do that with the worst heathen who's bringing a persecution on the church and then use that person to bring a revival or bring a harvest. He can absolutely do that. And if, and if, and if one person declines that offer, he can do it with someone else. So can God do that whenever he wants? Sure, he can do that yeah. whenever he wants. But um, in you, general, you know, see, this is the problem with theology, folks. See how much we have to disclaim everything before we get to the look. God wants you to do stuff. Yeah, doing yeah. stuff. Are are you so Protestant that you're against doing stuff? Shut up. You know, doing <laughs> stuff that smacks of works. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to just sit back and wait for things. That's not biblical. That's stupid. Right. So yeah, I mean, I get why we do that. But yeah. look, I mean, do stuff. God wants so, you to do so stuff. So revivals again. Uh, primarily for the church, I've told people when I've done a revival that if you're one of those people that sits back there and thinks, well, the revival's for that horrible guy down the street who's cheating on his wife or that lady who's in a bad business deal and ripping people off of their money, it's not for me. No, I'm those a, are the I'm deacons. I'm person. No, I'm sorry. Now, the, the fact is, the fact <laughs> is that it's, it, you, it's, if you're thinking that way, yeah. revival is for you more than it is for them because y- if you already are a Christian and you're thinking that way, 
then you need to be revived. Oh, so and a revival is a great opportunity. If you're for that. Cyn- overly cynical, you might need a revival. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you're laying back thinking, oh, what this preacher's saying has no bearing on me, it's for those awful people down the street. Not in a revival, it's not. Not a not like we're being literal here with revival. Yeah. Right. If it's if it's for the church, it's for you. Now, and ev- now, e- now, what what we have in past called an evangelistic event, particularly a large scale evangelistic event, like a crusade, is a crusade. Yeah. Now, I now this here we go. That's a weird term for it. I'll admit, right? <laughs> like I heard someone uh, Shabir Ali, I think one time said, "Okay, you've got campus crusade for Christ." Would you prefer us Muslims to have campus jihad for Allah? (laughs) I mean, yeah, okay, fair point, right? Well, there's there's the word crusade, and then there's the crusades. The crusades. Now, now, yeah, actually, um, I'm the first few three or four crusades. I'm on board with anyway. (laughs) So, crusade is not a dirty word for me. As it went on, it got worse. It's a holy war, right? Yeah, but I mean, I'm fine with the first three or four crusades. Okay. So they were noble endeavors, I think. But uh, but a crusade is a holy war. Now I'll tell you one of the problems with this. Now I, I'm one of those people. Like I'm I'm a strange bird when it comes to this sort of thing, mm-hmm. because like with atheists, you know how now it's the common thing for atheists to say, um, I don't. T- I'm I'm an atheist, but I'm not saying that I that there's no God. I'm mm-hmm. saying I lack a belief in God. I don't know whether there's a God. I lean toward there's not, but I'm not saying that there's yeah, no yeah. God. I'm saying I don't know. Whereas classically, we would have referred to someone like that as an agnostic, or we might have given a modifier, an atheist agnostic, for someone who's agnostic but tends to lean toward atheism. But you know what? Here's the deal. They could make it simpler by just saying, I don't believe in God, next. Right. It's fine. But they can't, in their, to take up for them a little bit. I know, because, because they have then to get you, you're going to be like, oh, so what's your evidence that there is no God? No, but right. I don't have to give you evidence right. to burn it, a proof on you. I lack a... The, yeah. A la- it's, it's, to me, it's a distinction. I am unconvinced, they'll say. I am, I'm unconvinced that that's a distinction with a difference. <laughs> well, but the bottom line is, uh, I've always said to people like that, and you can listen to conversations I've had where I'm like, I don't care what you call yourself. I just want to know what you mean. So tell me what you mean, yeah. and then we'll move on from there. Whereas other apologists will be like, no, they're not allowed to call themselves. Just, who, okay, you may have good reason. Who cares? Just find out what they believe and address mm-hmm. that, right? right? Okay, I'm that way with crusades. Crusades has become a term that is offensive to some people for not entirely uh, crazy reasons. So yeah, I just the, prefer the, evangelistic A lot events. of the later crusades... Not yeah. the early ones, though. Those were good ideas. Yeah. Now, <laughs> uh, to tell you how far, like Campus Crusade recognizes this, and now they're just crew, you know? <sighs> so, well, but it, it plays into this very idea. I will never support that because you you changed your language for whatever dumb reason. Well, but here's the thing. So I was at a, a small group for a big church here in Evansville, Indiana, mm-hmm. about eight years ago, maybe 10 years ago, because it wasn't long after we moved here. And it was, it was people who'd been in church all their life. Mm-hmm. And so they were asking me, you know, what I did and everything. I said, I'd go preach these evangelistic crusades. And they were, no, I, no, I said, I'd go preach these evangelistic events. And they said, well, what's your ministry called? And I said, Trinity Crusades for Christ. <laughs> and this woman was like, that is awful. I can't, that's horrible. And I was like, what, what, what just happened? And they were like, well, that's the crusades. That's just such an like, aggressive term. At the time, I thought, yeah, that's stupid. Why, why are you getting offended <laughs> At about At this time, you know? I think, yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, but, but with me, I'm like, okay, I kind of, if you're completely foreign to that terminology, yeah. 
I get it. Now, what was really shocking is they these people in this group, like all of them, no, well, there was one girl. The rest of them were like, I. you mean there are churches that have events where you come, somebody comes in and preaches, and the whole idea is that people come to know Christ? And this one girl was like, yeah, my granddad used to do stuff, those kind of things at his church. Yeah. And I was like, what is happening? This was my first year having moved to the godless north, and so I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know that there was such an ignorant. I'm just kidding, northerners. Um, but I didn't know that there were these kinds of this lack of understanding about these things. So anyway, I still do these events. Yeah. I may not call them crusades. I call them whatever the church calls them when I go there. You yeah. know. But if I have my pick, I call them evangelistic events but or if outreach you look, events. It's still Trinity Crusades for Christ, though. Y'all haven't changed the name. Well, we've actually divided it now into two separate categories. So you have Harold Hunter Ministries and Braxton Hunter Ministries. So it's not, it's not real. I mean, we still have, I think the, the 501c3 or whatever, is, st- is it 501c3? It's still Trinity Crusades for Christ. Yeah, and it's still but, that. In so our, officially it is. It's but still it, that in our catalog. It's still that. Yeah. You know. yeah. Uh, and don't change that. But, but your dad's doing way more than you are these days. So let's um, move past it, though. So, uh, yeah. Oh, that's a good point. I mean, Go so ahead and talk about w- that. Well, we were talking about how, you know, maybe it's just our sphere of people who do want people to become Christians and not... Other types of Christians who don't want people to go, I guess. Now, I guess that's or are saying. somewhat unconsciously ambivalent of it. Right. Uh, no, I, I, if you don't want to host an event where you want people to get saved, then you're not for that, <laughs> period. Yeah. You know. I'm just saying I don't think like they've thought, a lot of people have thought about it. I think pastors have thought about it. Yeah. And if they don't do it, I think there was some kind of a decision that I don't think that'll work, bogus, or I I, yeah. I think here's another approach, and that may be fair. Yeah. You know, um, you well, know, like when we went to when we go do a, like a Q and A somewhere at a, at a trendy church, yeah. and they want to do just a Q and A, or they want to just have us preach and then do a Q and A or something like that. Like it feels weird to me because I'm like, why not give an altar call? Because guess what, internet, I believe in altar calls, um, but. But I get it because their context yeah. is a little different. They do it a little different. As long as you're trying to do evangelism, and it yeah. seems to be working the way you're doing it, uh, unless it's immoral or unbiblical, right. I'm, I'm all for it. Right. But there's nothing wrong with having an event where you bring in somebody whose specific calling and gifting is this kind of harvest evangelism. Your dad, since, uh, I don't know, maybe 2016... When he was president of Trinity, he was rather busy doing that. Mm-hmm. But then it seems like, like you said about the people we know, because your dad's gone about every weekend or every other. Look, book Harold Hunter while you can, mm-hmm. because I mean he is doing this, and yeah. I, I I don't even know. It's like between you and your dad, totally is some. 250,000 decisions for Christ in the history of... Now, most of that was your dad's history because this goes back to... No, no, no. He did it for 15 years. No, no, no. I I have some of those numbers too. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Well, no, I'm I'm just saying... Well, yeah. He did it for 15 years and then he pretty well stopped for a long time. He'd do one here and there. But I did it then for... Well, now it would have been 15 years, but it's been. But I, I, I haven't been going strong with it yeah. since a f- couple of three years so, ago. So 12 or 13 of those years are mine. Yeah. So I, so we together have now. Uh, Trinity Crusades has 250,000 yeah. decisions for Christ and has spoken Just in front saying. of him. He doesn't do this. He doesn't brag about numbers ever. 
I do on his behalf. <laughs> but let me tell you, like, uh, no, if, and if, it, well, that's not it. Also, a million kids have y'all spoken to over a million high school. Now that's predominantly dad, but I've done it before so, yeah. many times too. Uh, where we are allowed to go in, we have. Kept, that's not evangelism, but that's suicide prevention. It's a, yeah. it's a door toward it. What we do is yeah. we have we have a teen suicide prevention program, or what we do is. Um, we, we have public high schools and middle schools uh, will let us, many of them, come in and do a program. Uh, now, we have in the past had to sign a thing that's a waiver that says we won't talk about God or religion. So that's why we do the teen suicide thing. We also think that's an important issue. And so uh, we have letters of recommendation from principals at these places that say, yeah, they did what they said. Now, what makes it really hard is there are certain groups, certain groups that have muscle building and phone book tearing and those kind of groups. Certain groups have gone into public high schools to do a demonstration of some sort and said they wouldn't say anything about God or religion and then, like, did, gave full-blown altar calls. That makes it very difficult, actually, for people like us who are trying to be strategic yeah. to get in there. And then what we do is we ask them before we go, so it's not, it's not, we're not bamboozling them. We ask them, can we hand out tickets to a pizza thing at the church that night? And they say, yeah, you can. So we do that, yeah. and then they come to the church, we give them pizza, and then we preach, and then a lot of them come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And we're not pulling the wool over anybody's eyes. We're open about what we're doing the whole time. Uh, but we yeah, have If you want to come to a church yeah, and eat pizza yeah. at and a it's going to be an evangelistic event. At, 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 I mean, we're going to try and convince you Jesus is Lord. The church should be Lord. the clue that, yeah, right. you know. <laughs> Uh, if it's like, yeah. let's go to the disco or the nightclub or whatever and eat pizza and then yeah. maybe, but I mean, come to a church. So, yeah. so you guys have done a lot of this yeah. and then we have a lot of friends who do a lot of this, but if you look around, there's not a lot of this, right? <clears throat> yeah. And people say, well, that's so folksy and that's so, uh, Southern and that's so, yeah, well, guess what? Um, what's your dad say about, I like the way I do it better than the way you're not doing it or something like that. With an explicit, you know, yeah. with well, I, I don't know if that's a damned cuss word, but he says, the way I do it is damn sure better than the way you don't do it. Yeah. Excuse the language. So y'all can sit around and keep talking about... That wasn't a cuss about, word in my dad's <clears throat> youth. So. so basically, this is how I feel about it. You guys can sit mm -hmm. around and keep talking about whether or not uh, altar calls square with the Bible and all these theoretical conceptual ideas about what might be wrong with the way the preachers you don't like, for other reasons, are doing things. And meanwhile... Yeah. Uh, people are getting it done where they can right. using what you consider to be outdated methods or whatever dumb reason they're wrong. Anyway, well, here's the um, thing. Let me give you an example real okay. quick. So someone posted this. I think this is so cool. Now, these are two people separated by time and geography. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah, this is great. And yet, and yet there was a connection because of evangelistic events. Let me read this to you. I don't, I don't, I hope this doesn't hurt her feelings. If she's, I don't remember this woman. I don't know this woman or the person she's talking about. But this, this Linda, I won't give her last name because she didn't give me permission to, but this is on my Facebook wall. Last week, we had a mission team from Loris, South Carolina, serving in West Virginia. Now, I've, I've spoken, I've preached in both places. She says, I asked one of the participants from the team to share with me how he came to know the Lord. He spoke about his daughter inviting him to a revival on a Tuesday night because the revival speaker had said, if you have unsaved friends and loved ones, to have them come Tuesday night. I immediately said, Braxton Hunter. He was shocked when I did so. Yep, the same revival pastor. I'm not a pastor, but this is colloquial terminology. Yeah. Um, the same revival pastor who had come, who came to SCBC. Don't even know what church that is. Uh, many years ago, 
I love when God brings about connections with other believers in our circle of influence. Pretty cool experience, and I certainly loved hearing his testimony, how God saved him when he was 52 years old, 52-year-old man. Man, do you know how uncommon that is to have a 52-year-old Well, that's your thing, man? because even when I've gone with you on revivals and stuff, every Sunday night you stress, Tuesday night, bring, if no other night, bring someone Tuesday night. And so that even I remember that, because I actually yeah. listen sometimes when you speak. So I'm just kidding. Uh, and, and so I'm not surprised that, that that would trigger somebody to have a memory of who that guy was, right. you know. And it's not like these people were in any way connected. No. It's just they showed up at this other church. The well, they're both Southerners. And, okay. in, and in the South, we want people to know Jesus, unlike... Right. But I just thought that was cool. Not and it shows either. that these kind of events do work. Yeah. Well, no, they, 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 they have worked for... Oh, and here's for, another ever. thing while we're on it, like... Uh, what about door-to-door evangelism? Oh, man, we're really getting folksy, aren't we, with this? But door-to-door evangelism. I always hear how this does, just, just doesn't That's work for anymore. Mormons. This, people That's don't for do Mormons, that anymore. Right? That's for you know, Mormons. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Or Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. That's not for right. evangelism. Well, here's the thing. There is this principle about numbers. <laughs> yeah. That the more times you knock on doors, the more numbers you increase, the likelihood that one of those people is going to believe what you're saying and become a Christian increases with the more doors you knock on. So the idea that door-to-door evangelism doesn't work anymore is merely someone who, by definition, is too lazy to keep knocking on doors unless you believe that there is no possible world in which, at some point, someone's going to come to know Christ. Yeah, don't knock on my door. (laughs) Well, you're already a Christian. We don't have to worry about you. Yeah, but the people... If the pastor in your neighborhood is listening, I hope he knocks on your door. <laughs> and I and I hope you say, already saved, uh, and give your little testimony, and then he moves on. No, you, you, we, the last person who came to our door was trying to get uh, my wife to vote for a Democrat senator. And we love That's Democrats, okay. yeah. But, but then my wife said, well, uh, I have voted for Democrats, but they're pro-life Democrats, because we have pro-life Democrats in Arkansas. Is this Democratic senator pro-life? It's somebody running for the Senate here in... Uh, Indiana, and she says no. And don't you believe in a woman's right to choose? Blah 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 blah. And so Misty and this spokesperson, it was a lady, got into it. And, Good for Misty. Yeah, and and if she was cool, Misty was cool up until the point where the lady said, "What about uh, children with this, that, the other, and autism, and this, that, the other? You know, could potentially." <laughs> and she have... came unglued. And that's where she lost it. Uh, <laughs> and. Right. The lady actually, to her credit, she profusely apologized before the door slammed in her face. But you never know what you're going to get when you, you go to the door. And that just reconfirmed my, my general rule. <clears throat> if they don't call first, you never answer the door when someone knocks, ever. But since people don't think that way necessarily all the time... You should think that way necessarily not, and, all the time. Do you understand what I'm saying? That give It's a numbers game. Yeah. And given enough doors knocked on, somebody is going to answer the door. Right. And given enough of those doors, somebody is going to believe. Right. And yeah. I, I do want to bring up, though, some people... This all this inevitably goes back to methods, right? Always goes back to methods. Now, you were telling me a long time ago, you read a book, and it was some hipster guy that said, don't do this, don't say that, don't do this. Yeah, Brett go, McCracken. Right, and then so what you said is, I I'm going to make sure... Right. You said, I'm going to make sure I do everything he says not to do. Right. <laughs> I mean, you just made it a point that you were going to use the phrase soul winner. And I pretty well was. Right, you know? yeah. You, well, you were yeah, like, hipster Christianity. 
is the name of his book. And that was the book that you was like, this is a bunch of garbage. Well, I, I mean, I don't, I didn't, I don't know everything else he says. So maybe he's got some really good things to say. He was, and he wasn't even this. In the quote that I was reading, he wasn't necessarily saying necessarily that he affirmed all this. Although I, he probably does, he was saying, "Here's what hipster Christians are like. They hate these things." Oh, yeah. And so you, what you wanted to do was everything that hipster Christians hate, right? Uh, and if you, and but if, here's the thing. And if you weren't already doing it, you wanted to make sure you were doing it. But here's the thing: I disagree with him. They may hate it in like conceptually. Right. But I'll bet you a lot of those hipster Christians, if I met them at their door or on the street or whatever and started having a conversation with them, they would enjoy it because hipster Christians or hipster people in general a lot of times really enjoy philosophical, <coughs> theological kind of discussions. You know, they like that flavor of thing. So, and let, so you know, if you're cool and you talk to them, and I've, I've had these conversations with hipster people. I don't get it. Well, I'm about to die. <coughs> there we go. My citrus drop is finally trying to kill me. Aha. It's that weird uh, metal that's, that's infused no, in it. Oh, come on. No, what I wanted to say, though, is, okay, so you, we're starting to have these events. And um, some people out there might be thinking, should we have an event like that? Do we throw up a tent in the front of, of the church parking lot? What do we do? Yeah, I mean, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, old tent revival, right? Yeah. I, or you can have it indoors. If it's in the summer, have it indoors. But Here's what he says. Here's what Brett McCracken says. This is from pages 97 and 98 of uh, Hipster Christianity, uh, 2010. He says, Things they don't like include megachurches, altar calls, and door-to-door evangelism. They don't like American flags in church and prefer Christ follower to Christian and a bore soul winner, among other pat phrases likely to be heard in traditional settings. On the other hand, Christian hipsters love breaking the taboos that used to be tattooed for Christians, like having beer, bi- beer and Bible studies and tattoos and things like that. You know, earrings, that kind of stuff. Well, how come all the hipsters do go to megachurches, though? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> well, no, I mean, yeah, it's, well, it goes, anyway, I don't want to get off on that. But, okay, so you, you're a pastor, or you're a Trinity radio person, which means you want people to become Christians. It's not like you, you, you're against the idea, like a lot of people that you mm-hmm. know, we talk to, who seemingly be, are against it, because by, by, so what do you do? by their actions, right? That's what I mean. Number one, you need to have conversations with people. And conversations on the internet are fine. I know that you think that uh, doing evangelism and apologetics on the internet is a bad idea, and I agree with you because I know what you mean by it. You mean by it the way that it often. No, I'm talking about how how, somebody wants to do this at their church. I'm going to be broad in this. So I think you need to have conversations with people on the internet because, in a certain sense, that is the new door to door way of talking to people. Um, Although, let me give an let me give a, a bit of advice there. Ask them to have a private conversation with you. Uh, especially if it's an atheist or someone. And the reason for that is because if it's public, there starts to be grandstanding, and then they've got skin in the game, and then they're less inclined to right. be open to what you're saying. Okay, um, and that goes that would go the other way, too, if an atheist was talking to a Christian. You know, it's, it's best to have, I think, some of those conversations private. Okay, well, let's, let's but two, now, two in things. church... Okay, first, you're a pastor, and you think, yeah, Braxton Hunter's right. I should want people to get saved, mm-hmm. and... I've had altar call every week in my church, and nobody has. Well, I was. I'm, I'm okay. going to get there. And then, what do you do if you're not a pastor of a church, but you want you think our church should really 
do some evangelistic events. Yeah. Okay, so explain the problem. Because, I mean, like, Trinity Crusades, I've seen it. They have this whole, th- here's what you do to get ready, and then here's what you do to have it. Yeah. I mean, you guys know all this Yeah, we've stuff. got a handbook that is really thick. Yeah. Um, and what we do, what I think you should, first of all, if you're a pastor, plan uh, with a fair bit of warning, like plan six months out or something, or even a year out, and say, I feel bad talking about this because I just canceled an event like this. <laughs> and, and so I hate ever having to cancel because this guy did uh, plan a year ahead. But um, but you, you plan ahead. Prayer is a big thing, but it's not the only thing. Often pastors will tell me, we've been having, and this is a really old time kind of term, we've been having cottage prayer meetings. And what they mean by that is they go to people's houses and they pray and they get in groups and they pray. And I think that's great. And you need to do those things. Um, prayer is a big part of this. You do want to ask God to move in this event, but it's not all you do. That's not all you do. The old school guys, there was a guy that just died last year in this town named Bob Nall. He used to be on the, he used to be a trustee, I think, for the International Mission Board and everything. He did the best uh, revivals. Another guy I used to work with for 12 years died, uh, Bob Mowry in Nashville. He did it the same way that this Bob Nall did it. And they were the old guys and they did it this way and it just worked. I mean, they, they would pray, they would plan, they would invite people, they would get ready for it. Every night had a special emphasis. And guess what? This is going to sound old school, and you can find a way to package this to where it sounds more 21st century. But, like, Sunday night was Sunday school night. You could do small group night. You try to get the people from your small group or Sunday school to church that night. And, and with that will come visitors. Because yeah. not everybody in your small group or Sunday school class is already a Christian, and they'll bring people with them. Then you have one night that they used to call it pack a pew night, <laughs> where you try to get, you, you're responsible for a particular pew and your goal is to pack it. And then another night is men's night or another night is youth night or whatever. And you do these things. Now that sounds so old school. Well, first of all, one thing that let me just assure you of is it works. So if you don't like the way it sounds, change the terminology. Change the terminology. The concept is the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, so call it whatever you want. Do those same kinds of things. And, and then uh, I've even seen people give out little, you know, uh, awards. Like, here's, here's, here's some Christian books. They used to do it in Nashville's church I'm talking about. They would have a big table with, uh, it looked like a bookstore out there. And if, if you packed your pew that night more than anybody else, come up here and get whatever book you want. You know, I mean, it was just kind of a cool thing. Oh, that's manipulation. No, that's strategy. There's nothing yeah. wrong with strategy. There's nothing wrong with rewarding people for doing what they should. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So, uh, so, so it's fine. And um, so you so you can do that. Yeah. Things like that. Um, if you if you have a, 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 an association of churches that like to work together, because not every community does. There's a, sometimes there's a jealousy with certain certain churches. But if you if you work together with other groups. Plan an area-wide evangelistic event, the kind of thing that did used to be called a crusade. Say, oh, people don't do that anymore. My father is at this moment in an area outside of Memphis just preaching in a local church where a few years ago, it hasn't been too long because my daughter Jacqueline, who's seven years old, was there and she was running around talking, walking, and all that at the time. We did an area-wide tent crusade under a 3,500-seat tent in that area, and it was full every night. Many people came to faith in Christ. Many more stories, just like the one I'm telling you here, which demonstrates that it these things lasted. These decisions lasted, at least a lot of them. And these things still... And I'm, I'm a relatively young person, and I do these things, and they work. And again, so 250,000 decisions, that, that could have been, like for you guys, for example. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say... Cut in half. Say, 
yeah. If you so let's just say you cut it in half. Okay, so 125,000 people are still Christians. What have you done? Yeah. What are you doing this? Cut it. No, say I, it's I'm a fourth. Say, you know. Yeah. We're not going to do the math, but but <laughs> say it was a fourth. That's still thousands yeah. and thousands of right. people. And yeah. that's not to boast on you. That's to boast in the Lord. Right. But your point is, you stay at this long enough, and people get saved. Yeah. I'll give you. I'll give, uh, Well, first of all, yeah. Let me say that. Um, and even if only a fourth of those people got, okay, right. what have you done lately? Not not you right. as in, can I you never, co- I'm not saying can you as in, can you compete with Braxton? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying what has your church done to... Well, right. right. The, the thing is, I'll say this. To help this along. I'll say this, and it'll sound arrogant, but the whole point is to demonstrate that, that that's not what's going on. Right. I have sent out a monthly newsletter since 2006. I think there's maybe been two or three times that I've put numbers... In, the, in that newsletter of people that made decisions. Mm-hmm. And those times, it was only because either something really amazing happened that was like hard to believe that I put it in there to testify to how it worked, or I went on once an overseas mission trip and I put the numbers in there from that because people wanted to know. They specifically wanted to know how that went. Um, so, but, but I'd never put numbers in. I just told people we had people come to know Christ. Because it because it, I didn't want a scorecard, right? You know. Now, did we keep track? Yeah, we kept track because we wanted to be able to compare how meeting things the went. Meeting yeah, and, and you know, and the, how things go over yeah, different yeah. regions year by and, year. Yeah, yeah. But, but 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 I never did that. Now, a second thing is as far as sticking at it until you figure out what works in your community and all these kind of things. I cannot tell you the number of times I've gone to a church and somebody said, the pastor said to me. Now, I'm having you here for this thing, but I just want you to know that I'm hoping that God does something. But you need to know, in our church, people just don't make decisions. People don't come to the front. People don't, uh, you know, that just, it just don't work. Like so I don't want you to feel bad when that doesn't happen. Of course, I'm not going to feel bad. But, but guess what? It usually happens. Right. Because one of the things that a good evangelist knows how to do, and it's difficult, because you can become manipulative so quickly. Yeah, and one one thing that you want to do is you want to you want to know how to be organized. You want to read his book, right? You want to know how to be organized without being manipulative, and you can do that by buying evangelistic apologetics by Bryce. Well, that's not exactly true. (laughs) That's not really what this book is. But but it's um. But the thing is, uh, there is a way to be organized about getting someone to the point of knowing who to talk to and how to talk to in the midst of a service. Where it does, it is easy for them to come make that decision. It's not easy in the okay. Pe- people are going to say, "No, oh, pra- it's an easy believism. No, no, You're no, making no, it where no, there's no, nothing no, 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 at stake stop, and all stop, that." Stop. Yeah. No more disclaimers for the rest of the episode. <laughs> but you know they're going to say that. I don't that's care. Not the point. There's, there's, that's... It's always going to be hard for someone to get up in a group of their peers and go forward Somebody's and tell the church they've just professed I didn't faith give in Christ. Jesus enough credit because I talked about how your numbers. Look, can't things be given? God receives the glory for everything that happened through Harold Hunter and Braxton Hunter. Right. Can we have a conversation, please? You know, uh, yes, it's uh, some altar calls can be manipulated. Got it. Done talking about it. Back to the show. Say what you're going to say. Quit disclaiming. We're done with that. Yeah, so you can be manipulative. Here's a quote from... uh, Rob Bell, that's Jonathan's favorite theologian. Favorite. He says so awesome. He 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 says this in his book Velvet Elvis. He's describing one of these what he considers to be a manipulative altar call type situation. 
He says, the pastor then said, I see that hand over there. Thank you. I see a hand in the back. I see some young women in the front. And he proceeded to acknowledge the hands that were going up all over the room. During this entire time, I had kept my eyes open and was watching the whole thing. I didn't see any hands go up. Now, what I had written after that was, while Bell exposes a problem that can exist in some ministries, what is troublesome is that the result is an admonition not to be passionately evangelistic rather than an admonition to be evangelistic with integrity. The, the idea is you, you, can, you can be evangelistic and organized without being manipulated. Yeah, but that doesn't happen. But that is a craft. Now, here for people that are already on board with me, that is a craft that takes years, I think, to iron out. Yeah. And what you have, what we've done is dad ironed that out for decades on the shoulders of other guys behind him. And then I took what he did and I added a few things that, <laughs> interestingly, he's now retroactively put back into his <laughs> oh, thing. Oh, so you're and saying we, and the, we, the student becomes the teacher. Well, I, we, we, we talk about these things. And, and, I, and, we, and I've ironed out some more things. And so what you have is a, a situation where people are usually blown away that events like this are successful. All right, but as far as I've heard Paul Washer say that, he, he gives his, I see that hand, and then he mocks it. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what this is about. When you're trying to figure out who is making a decision and everyone else is not, you know, being Rob Bell, they actually are praying, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you don't have to pray with your eyes closed or whatever, but you're, what you're doing is you're trying to give in a public setting, people as much privacy as possible in a very important yeah. thing. And so when somebody is in a room and they raise their hand, the reason the pastor says, I see your hand, is to acknowledge that they don't have to sit there with their hand in the right, air that's right. for the whole time. Right. So what What the heck? Now, why, why mock that? It's it is just, true that some people say that when it's not there, but that's not... That's not what it's about. Yeah. That's like, that's what I'm saying. Rob Bell's thing is an exception more often than the rule. Because people, what they're really doing is, okay, I see that hand. You know what I You say? can put it down yeah, now. There, there have been occasions yeah. where I, nobody's hand went up or whatever. You know what I say? I say, all right, then I'm going to assume that everyone in here is confident of where they stand with Christ. Now, if that's not true, even if you didn't raise your hand, you can come talk to us and stuff. But right. I, I just move on from there. I, I don't, I don't, and I've seen other guys be that way. Like, right. it's whatever. Now, I've said this a million times. You know. I'm not the altar call guy. Yeah. You, so, by which you mean you don't give them. Right. And, I, and when I was a pastor, you know, and I'm, I'm not the every head bowed, whatever. God, you know what? But I'm, I am very outspoken. Right. But I am very outspoken in defense of it because I think the people who don't do it don't do it for the wrong reasons. And they're, they're not doing it because they're just being snotty evangelicals who want to poo-poo everything that came before them. And I'm talking about grown men like... Yeah, meanwhile, baptisms are in decline. Right. (laughs) Well, but here's what people say. Well, this... Okay, sorry, Miguel. I'm going to have to do this. Calvinists. Sorry, Miguel. Look, Calvinists, by and large, they they listen to Deaver and Platt prattle on about how they're not going to do this and they're not going to do that. They're not going to do anything that actually is where people get saved. Um, They're not going to do these things. And guess what? People will say, see, their their church baptizes ex- hundred people a year, right? Because they're these big, popular Calvinist churches, okay? But then you've got the local Calvinist guy who got his beard and his beer, and he's got 45 people in his church, and guess what? He's trying to do what they do, and nobody's getting saved. 
Yeah, I mean, I now now to be fair, it's not just it's not just Calvinists. It's just Calvinists are really loud critics. Well, I do I do cover this in evangelistic yeah. apologetics in a chapter. I talk yeah. about what I think is contributing to the lack of organized evangelism like this, and I I think that I think that arguments over soteriology have played a role because even if you want to say, and, and I'm not debating this, like I've said this in my debates that yes, Calvinists may be just as evangelistic. However, the the methodology is in question. Right. The, the methodology is... So debates over soteriology have led to a, a little bit of a problem here. Right. Stylistic differences. This is what we were talking about with Brett McCracken. Stylistic right. differences have led to a problem. And you may have a guy who doesn't know where he stands on the soteriology issue or is a card-carrying Arminian who may not do that kind of thing right. because it doesn't seem cool. You know, right, and that's what I said. And I've said um, about this too. Let me go off about this a little bit. Well, hold on. I want to go off about one thing though. Okay, you go off, then I'll go off. I want to go off on this. Well, mine will be brief. Okay, look, and I'm sorry to pick on, sorry Miguel to pick on the Calvinist, but Miguel doesn't represent all Calvinists. uh, Well, he groans in our comments every time I mention. But look, it's because I talk to a lot of Calvinists, and they are on the bandwagon of poo-pooing things. But guess what? Their church is not J.D. Greer's church. Their church is not David Platt's church. Mm -hmm. Their church has 100 people, and they haven't baptized anyone in two years. And they're saying, we're not going to do that because blah, 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 manipulation and blah. Maybe if you did it and quit thinking that your your church, you're not David Platt. You're not mm-hmm. J.D. Greer. You're not going to have that. Well, and that has had an happen. effect. Uh, right. First of all, I don't know why you don't like Miguel. I love Miguel. Because <laughs> that's totally what happened. I was giving you an opportunity to be like, I love Miguel. <laughs> I, Miguel knows that I love Miguel. Okay. Well, everybody else now knows. But Miguel would probably be like, yeah, that's fair. Because he, I okay, mean, but, nobody can well, say. we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's the thing. This has had an effect yeah. even on non-Calvinist evangelists. Yeah. There, is, there, there is another evangelist I know who, um, who asked me one time to if I tell said his name? Don't say his name. No, don't say his name. Because I don't want him even to be able to read your lips, because I really love this guy. But but he asked me how I do my altar calls. He doesn't and I explain, You never know. But I, I explained to him how I do my altar calls, and he's like, I mean, I see that you're not being manipulative. I get it. And the reason was because somebody told him, you're not doing your altar calls well. A pastor told him this. And he said, so, and so I explained how I do it, and he's like, I see that you're not manipulative, but it might look manipulative to the critics. So I don't think I can do that. And at that point, I'm thinking, okay, so you're more concerned about the critics than you are the people coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is a problem. But I understand it, and I don't. Yeah. I, I, I can't say I don't blame him, but I do yeah. understand it, because that is such a prevalent thing right now in the church world. Um, it shouldn't be. It doesn't slow dumb. me down. Right. If I go do one of these things, I'm going to do I've done it this year. Okay, so, so pastor needs to But what were we going to go months? off about? I was going to go off about something. Say, to keep talking. Okay, well, okay, first oh, yet, I know what I'm going to go yeah. off about. Okay, so I here's here's where I'm going to offend everybody. On the one hand, here's what I like about trendy churches, uh, hipster churches, uh, really modern churches like that. I like that they do want to make people feel invited and comfortable coming into the service and being a part of the service and all that sort of thing. I love that. What I don't like, and, and there's people that, that don't like that. I do like that. I don't mind that it's dark in there like a movie theater and they can come and sit and observe. And I know I'm going to hear people criticize. I don't mind that. I like that. I like that you can come in and feel good and the music's good and all this stuff and there's coffee and you're comfortable. Mm -hmm. But if we really believe this stuff, if we mean it, 
there ought to come a moment of confrontation where it is very uncomfortable and you have to deny self, deny your past, deny your sin, and perhaps publicly affirm this is who I am now and I'm rejecting who I was and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live a new life. And you all need to know that because now you're my new family. This is what I liken it to. Uh, hospitals are, should be very comfortable places. There should be comfortable seats. There should be coffee everywhere. If you don't have coffee flowing like milk and honey in your hospital, you're doing something wrong as far as I'm concerned. You want to have coffee everywhere. You want to have nice Muzak being pumped in. You know, you want that good... Everything needs to be comfortable. I don't want to be miserable. It's going to be miserable enough going. I don't want to... But as comfortable as you make that hospital, there still is going to be that confrontational moment where a, where a surgeon may have to open your chest and pick your heart up in his hands. And that comfortable moment where he has to tell someone that he's about to do that to them. If you just had the music and the coffee and all of that, you're not a hospital that's doing anybody any good. And in the same way, your church can have all the nice stuff and be comfortable. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. But if you don't have that confrontational moment where you have to realize, I am a sinner and I need to have my heart taken out of my chest and replaced with a new heart, and I may have to tell everyone that publicly and stand up and say, I was once lost, but now I am found, then you've taken so much confrontation out of it that it is not meaningful anymore, and there's, there's not a sense of urgency. And one thing that the altar call does is it creates a theater in which the urgency is presented in an obvious way to a person in a moment where they realize, I need to do something, and if I'm ever going to do it, now is a good time. End of rant. I I agree with that. <laughs> I, I should do altar calls now. <laughs> it wasn't part of my thing, but I that it just it needs to happen. Now, okay, so you're, uh, real quick. Well, by the way, let me say something that's kind of cool for you listeners. This has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about. But as we are talking, I have just finally signed the final contract on my house. So I'm going to move. But I just thought I could capture that in history here. Oh, okay. Anyway, go ahead. You're going to start doing all I'm excited calls. about him moving because you're, you're, he, he, he's selling his enormous mansion down the road. It's not a mansion. <laughs> it's not a mansion. <laughs> built in the 1800s. It that was built. That part is true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he, he, can I tell him that you're moving to a condo? Yeah, yeah. I'm moving he to a, a old sweet folks condo. Home. Uh, where it's nothing but seniors and him and maybe one other young couple. And you and your kids and your wife are all going to have the amenities of a pool and a jacuzzi and a gym. Yeah. Which means your best friend gets to, yeah. <laughs> to, to have a pool. We have a jacuzzi at my house, but, 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 but the gym, which as people who watch our show know, I obviously need. So I'm excited. That's why I'm excited for you moving is because all uh-huh. the things that, that benefit me yeah, by yeah, you living. Sure. At this and place. that's fine. Right. Uh, by the way, another thing I can say on the air while we're sitting here talking is that Jeremy Lee from Australia is messaging me as we speak, because I'm going to Australia in December to speak for a thing kind of like Campus Crusade. It's not yeah. Campus Crusade, but it's something like that in Australia. And he wants me to get a video done for him to pump that event, and he's nagging me in a friendly way, and I appreciate it because I would have forgotten right now to get it done by Friday. It's on the way, Jeremy Lee. Um, all right, uh, uh, last thing. For those of you that read 
I don't know that we're done. I'm just saying. Last thing here on on other stuff. This might be a jumbo episode because <laughs> I still got other things to okay. get to. Uh, that's fine. Last thing while we're sitting here talking. Uh, for those of you that read the Chronicles of the Adonai series, which means you read the one book and only book that's been released in that series, um, I'm about to release the second one, and the third one will be short to follow. And this isn't the final... Sorry, the YouTube commerce, uh, commenter who said we promote too much. It's okay. Uh, Chad, my brother, who's graphic designer yeah, for Lifeway... You showed me that yesterday. He, he's, he's, he's designed, sent me a comp for the uh, second book. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, all right, so what else do you have to say? I, well, okay, so you, you're uh, not a pastor who should now know that I need to schedule an event, find, which we didn't even cover how to, how to find somebody. Have us come. We'll Rick. come regardless yeah. of the size of your church, and we don't come. We don't charge you anything to come, just whatever you want to do. Okay. That's, we give that but if they God. can't get us, how do they go about finding an evangelist? Oh, they, they can get us. Well, yeah, they can. <laughs> well, no, you're canceling them to go travel the If they world can't get and, me, they can yeah. probably get Harold Hunter. Yes. Done. Okay, but... but Problem solved. But since y'all aren't the only two evangelists on planet Earth, yeah, and you can't do every weekend because you actually have to do president stuff, yeah, and then you're you have to not you have to acknowledge the existence of your family and spend time with them too, since yeah. they can't have one of the hunters. How do you find an evangelist? Um, if you're if you've just been so out of this thing that you don't know anybody, where do you go? Do you go to? Is, well, it, okay. And should we start a database for I, well, well, there is one for Southern for our Southern Baptist listeners. There's the Conference of Southern Baptist Evangelists, and they have a website. I Who? Cosby.net. Yeah. If the Southern um, Baptist Convention would have made them an official entity, not under NAM, I might be nicer to the Southern They Baptist are an Convention. official entity because of the relationship with NAM, but... No, I'm talking about their own. Yeah. I might like this SBC better. because the, They should have, along with the Pastors Conference at yeah. the convention... An evangelist conference, uh, evangelism conference. Because right, yeah. Cosby actually, <clears throat> anyway. No. Cosby has. They I actually w- do evangelism. There are some like, things I wish Cosby, there's some things I wish Cosby would do that I try to get him to do when I was president there. But anyway, what, I don't have anybody to recommend. Really, Okay, Adam Powers yeah. in Loris, South Carolina, which incidentally was one of the churches mentioned in that thing I read a while ago. Yeah, Adam Powers. And oh, Nathan, there's a guy in Tennessee, Nathan Wilkerson. He'll do a bang-up job. His father was an evangelist, just like my father. Nathan Wilkerson, he'll do a good job. Um, you just can't recommend a lot of people, even though there's a lot of evangelists out there. This is the problem. This is the problem. I know a really well-known evangelist who tells young men who ask, uh, should I become an evangelist? I feel called to be an evangelist. Don't do it. And that's really sad, but it's because you won't be able to survive financially. Unless you do some other job, if you're a tent maker on the side kind of thing, you yeah. know. You could do that, but then of course that gets difficult to travel and, and preach. So, you know, it's tough. All right, so I'm done with my preaching and telling you all what's going on in my life. What else do you want to say about this mess? Well, uh, I, I want to say that there's also, well, you said that somebody had said don't become an evangelist. Yeah. And because there's just a short, uh, well, I mean, there's plenty of people listed at Cosby, um, but that's mainly Southern Baptist. I know. Um, our very own Tim Bertram does awesome art and evangelism in the church, which people should check him out. But yeah, it's like, I, I don't personally know a lot of people and I don't know where to get people, but what if you're, okay, you're not a pastor, you're a Trinity radio listener. Mm-hmm. And maybe a lot of them are because I, do, I don't know how to tell you this. How, how do I you, don't know how 
you can find a person like that because the only way I know how to recommend someone, because there is so much manipulation and then there's so many that just aren't good at it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the spirit's involved, right? Here's another yeah. caveat. But well, that one's you fine. can also be bad <laughs> at it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so... Just like there's boring sermons, some right, sermons. Right. Sorry, and there are. So you know, not so every I don't. I don't know how to advise you besides get a hunter or get a powers. That's all I know. How to, <laughs> or a Bertram or a Schmidt or. Um, yeah, but but now here's but here's another thing. Now uh, you did bring up something important, and that is we've been mostly talking, if not exclusively talking, about harvest evangelism. Yeah. Which is a guy getting up and preaching, and people coming to the Lord Jesus Christ directly as a result of that. Okay, um, but the, but I what I started doing now since it's been since 2012 is what I call Christian defense. I used to call them Christian defense crusades. Yeah. Now I call them Christian defense evangelistic events or something like that. Um, and what what you do there is you you I get up and I preach uh, messages that are that are apologetic in nature. So yeah. that if skeptics are there, so on Sunday morning I do God's existence, but I do it in a sermon form um, with illustrations and preaching and all that. Um, Sunday night, the resurrection. Monday night, uh, reliability of the scriptures. Uh, Tuesday night, problem of suffering. Uh, and then Wednesday night's a free-for-all. I, I yeah. don't know what I'll do. Maybe social issues and that are impacting the church. And so I do those, and I'll tell you what, I have seen just as many people come to faith in Christ as a result of those as I have the others. And in fact, maybe more because you, I hear stories after the fact, because often yeah. with skeptics, it, ta- it, it, it often it takes longer because they have to go think about this and right. you know, all that. But you, what you're so, saying is, is when you do apologetics evangelistic events, the difference is negligible just for getting in there and preaching right. that. So if you're a person uh, who would say... old-timey religion, And so I've had people say this. They've been like, well, I want to do something, but I don't want to do the old-school, folksy, kind of preachy type thing. But I want to do something related to apologetics. But I also want to see people come to faith in Christ. I don't know what to do. Well, do this. Do both. <laughs> yeah. And if you're an evangelist out there listening, start. if you're an apologist, start doing a... a and whatever your thing is that you know about, aside from just evangelism, incorporate that into yeah. your evangelism. There are guys who tie stewardship into evangelism. There are people who tie music into evangelism. Art, you mentioned. Whatever yeah. your Tim thing Burton's is that awesome. you know about, use that to ward evangelism. Why the Church Needs Art by Tim Bertram. Coming soon from uh, Trinity Academic Press, just to, to bug the guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right, and, what, and to sell books. <laughs> okay, what, what what else do we need to okay, say? Okay, so, all right, so you're, you're um, uh, Sally the Trinity fan, okay. Trinity Radio fan. Okay. You're not a pastor. You want, you've noticed that week after week you have, their church maybe has empty altar calls every week or whatever. She thinks, you know what, it's, this is not about my pastor not getting it done. This is about, I have friends... Um, I recognize that Ephesians 4.11 says that there are some people, this is what they do, and that may not be the pastor, you know? <clears throat> so I want to get my friends, you know, to come to know Jesus, Yeah. you know? Um, so I think we should have um, Adam Powers or Braxton Hunter or Harold uh, come in and do one of the, How do I get my pastor to get on board with this? Cause we, you could talk to him. Tell him, here's what I think. You're awesome, but... 
don't you believe that the Bible teaches that there are there's this other office in the church, the evangelist? And uh, do you think it'd be good to have a guy like this? Don't you agree with the Bible? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> it's you, always be, a good thing to say to your pa- a good pastor thing. If you want your pastor to do something, a good thing is always don't be a jerk. But right. go go to him kindly and talk to him about this. And you know, if you're in a church where he won't hear it, or it just uh, then you know, I don't know, maybe. Maybe you need another church that actually wants to see people get uh, saved. Is that what you're trying to say? I mean, seriously. I think churches should be evangelistic. I, now, the pastor may say something like this, and this is fair. I disagree, but it's fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, okay, we, he may say, we have these things that we do toward evangelism and outreach, but I personally don't feel like that these revivals or evangelistic events are, what, are what we're supposed old, to do. Old, okay. So, okay, that's fair. That's fine. That's fine. I wouldn't be all ticked off at him about that or lead the church or anything like that. But if you have a pastor who's just not interested in evangelism, then you got a problem. Yeah. Uh, but um, but what what can you do? You can encourage your pastor to do it. You can even offer to do the legwork for him. You can you can offer to set up an evangelistic event. I've told this many times when I was pastoring in McMinnville, Tennessee. There was a young girl who came forward and said she wanted to set up what. Basically, it's kind of like a high school VBS type thing in our yeah. town. Nobody was doing that. And she set up a thing that where they did events and stuff and skits and games and all that during the summer so that her friends could come from school and hear the preaching and, and, and become Christians. And we did that. And it's gone on for years yeah. and years and years and years, all because of that girl who was a, certainly a layperson who did that. So there's things that you can do. Yeah, or you can say, let's have an apologetics defi- uh, event. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a lot of skeptic friends or whatever that would probably come to church if they knew that they could ask that guy whatever they wanted to without feeling bad about it sure. or whatever. Because we found that, that that's pretty cool. Yeah, we yeah. saw a ton of people come to that thing that you, me, and Flowers did down at Bennett's <clears throat> church. Yeah. And, and they just you ask whatever, especially when they got to put them on the cards. Yeah. Because uh, then they could really ask... And and Chip's not the guy who screens stuff like, oh, that's too tough for him. I mean, he was, you know, we did get some softballs, but most of them weren't, you know. Yeah. And people want to know the answers to those questions. And I think that that's a really good way to do apologetics and evangelism. So that's good news for apologists that, one, you found the difference to be negligible in old-time religion preaching and apologetic preaching. Mm-hmm. And two, there's other ways you can do evangelism. Because, you know, we did a show that apologists are whining to us about, we can't ever do anything. We just sit on the internet and talk on Facebook. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Well, why don't, become an evangelist and sh- shoehorn apologetics into it and win, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, it works, right? Yeah. So have an apologetics event. And look, you got to you gotta do what you do. Please pay for my gas or plane ticket and then just take up a love offering, right? And see, uh, actually, unlike Braxton Hunter, who needs a fancy ho- five-star hotel, me, you know, people, when they, I'll sleep on your couch. You know, if you invite... Actually, I've stopped. Back in the day, <laughs> love offerings were just kind of the culture yeah. of it. Um, these days, I just say, yeah, I'll come do it. Do whatever you want. You know, yeah. get, get, As long get, as you get the five-star hotel. Well, I, I've gone and lost money on events before. I'm not in this for the money, yeah. as far as that's concerned. Um, but Brian, if you're listening, your, your house was better than a five-star hotel. I'm not above sleeping on people's. Oh, I've slept on people's couches. I've slept mm-hmm. in people's bedroom, uh, next, you know, guest bedroom. I've slept in little houses that the church owned that they didn't take care of, uh, that they only had for this purpose. I've, I, and then I've slept in, you know, the hotel rooms of kings. I mean, I've, I've done the whole, the whole gamut. Uh, yeah. But that's not what it's about. I always thought to myself, there are guys who will complain about that sort of thing. My thought is always, 
Well, I'm not shipwrecked on an island. I should be happy. You know? <laughs> right. uh, all right. Well, this has been, I hope, a good show, a, ho- a meaningful show. If you have more yeah. questions about evangelism and apologetics, then contact yeah. me, uh, contact us, or just send your emails to jpritchett at trinitysim.edu. Don't. And, um, uh, I, those get deleted. Uh, yeah. Uh, become a part of the Trinity Radio Primetime Discussion Facebook group. If you'd like to give to the show, if you'd like to be a patron, because I may not tell anybody to, to take up a love offering for me, but I do op- offer the opportunity. <laughs> if you want to give us money, uh, just click yeah. somewhere up around here if you're watching on the video. And if you're not, it's patreon.com slash Trinity Radio. Yeah, and 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 you will start to see, we, we actually gave our patrons a little bit of a preview of what we're doing with that money, um, but we try to be held accountable. I actually confess to our patrons that we... We did buy ourselves lunch once uh, here recently because we got the new debit card. And I was like, we had to see if the activation took. And so we spent $10.20, I think is what it was, Mm -hmm. on lunch, Um, which we don't normally, we don't buy ourselves eat feastly. I mean, that was $10.20 for both of us, $5.10. Yeah. Three side meal upstairs. But anyway, most of the time we're spending this money on, on advertising. We're spending this money. We're about to get a really cool display. Because we got some really cool things coming up, but we don't want to say it now until it happens. Um, but being a patron also helps get us places. Yeah, you know uh, that may not be able to afford it because we. It's been really good. We, we really are taking this show on the road, and we do like to um, do evangelism and apologetics. We do mm-hmm. want more apologists to be evangelists who do apologetics. And not just merely apologize. If you'd like to have us come to your church, though, either one of us or both of us, just contact us, really honestly. We, we, we'll we do it. You may wonder, would they do that? And a yeah. lot of people think, I think, that since I became Trinity's president, that I don't do this stuff anymore. I still do this stuff. Yeah, he does. So I, I will come to your church and do an old-school harvest evangelism event, if that's what you want. Right, and he comes into my office, and, and he'll, he'll say so, and I, I'm not kidding. He'll say stuff like, you know, there's something about walking into an old church. With old, made out of cedar and pine. And you just smell that hardwood. Smell the pages of the hymnals. Yeah, you can smell The Baptist that. hymnals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, he, you, the small churches, big churches, whatever. I mean, if I, some old lady fire yeah. up that organ. That's Oh, organs, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And if you'll, if you'll, like, play a lick when he says something cool. <laughs> I've never had, I have had that, actually, but not, not <laughs> recently. Um, but, yeah, I love it, man. I love those old yeah. churches. Uh, all right. Well... If you want to learn how to be an evangelistic apologet- apologist, you should come take our program at Trinity called Oh, we go into much more detail yes. in all of this stuff. Yeah. I have a class where I show you how to set all this stuff up. Right. But we actually... Check out the other members things. of the Trinity yeah. Commission. We've already mentioned them. Steve we don't Greg, need to mention them again. Steve Brodown, Gregg, Leighton Flowers. Uh, Chisholm, uh, Matt Chisholm. Batman He's got an awesome dad who let, has a wonderful host, makes great bacon. Um... And then Billy Winland, who uh, wanted us to help him move, and we didn't. All right, so we'll <laughs> see you next time on Trinity Radio. If you would like more content, click here. And keep watching Bible Studies, click up here. And finally, we want you to subscribe. We need more subscribers, so click here. <laughs>